Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey everybody, Paul Gray here. Thanks for joining me once again. We're in a little series called Mystics, Miracles, Mysticism, and Mystery. And as we get ready to look into that today, we just have so much to be thankful for. I'm so thankful for you all, for my family, my friends, for those of you who've been journeying with me in our Pure Light Walker course, which I'm very grateful for. By the way, somebody said, what what will I get out of that? What's the purpose of the Pure Light Walker course? Well, God's purpose for our life is God's will, God's desire, God's plan, God's intent is for us to know oneness, union which includes knowing the only true God, ourselves and all others. Jesus said in John 14, 20, on that day, you will know that I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and we're in you. The result of this knowing is joy, complete, full, immersed, saturated, permeated, being surrounded by and overflowing and awash with joy. The Greek word for joy is kara and When we're full of joy, the watching world will know that we are Christ followers by his love. Grace manifesting as visible joy. In Acts 4.33, before the first church had been corrupted by the Roman government, it said, with great strength and ability and power, the apostles delivered their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace, Greek word is charis, same root word for joy and grace, great grace Loving kindness and favor and goodwill rested richly upon them all. And the way people could see that was they were full of joy. Joy is just such a key to life. And that, I believe, is the end result of being involved in our Pure Light Walker course and in the things that we're learning here together today. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1, 1 and 2, that we have, now this is true for you, we have been given everything it takes to live life to the full. Did you know that? We don't like anything. It's already been given to us. And we're going to rejoice in that thanksgiving today that everything has been given to us already. And hopefully we're going to rejoice in that in every day. Jesus cast the vision for that the night before he died. John chapter 13, what we call the Last Supper discourse through John 17, starts out in the upper room. And by the time they get to John 15, they had left there and they were walking together up on the mountain and they came upon a vineyard. And I just got to think Jesus has a twinkle in his eye and he's full of joy. John 15, 1, he says, I am the true, authentic, sprouting vine. I am the true, authentic, as opposed to false and not authentic. He says, this is not Adam's false, dark, angry, religious, small G God. No, I am the true, authentic God. And the farmer who tends the vine is my father, the only true God. 
Then he tells us in John 15, too, a little bit about how the father operates. He's looking at this vineyard, these branches of grapes, and he says the father, the farmer, cares for their branches, cares for them connected to me by lifting and propping up and fastening them to the stake to prevent disease and to increase the quality and yield by giving more access to the sunlight and air. That's what he does with the fruitless branches. He prunes them. Every fruitful branch yields a greater harvest. So he takes the ones that aren't fruitful yet, and he prunes them. By by meaning that, he, he cuts off the disease parts and stuff, and he, he fastens them to something, a stake or a pole or something that lifts them up so they don't get the disease stuff down on the ground in the world. You see that? Papa takes those branches that are struggling and tends to them and does what is needed to help them grow. Man, what joy we get in knowing that. I'm thankful for that. Then Jesus says in verse 3 of John 15, the words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. You're clean. You and I are clean because of the spoken word of God, Jesus' living words spoken to our hearts real time inside of us. Verse 4, he says, our seamless union. He's talking to us today. Jesus says, our seamless union, you and me and I and you, is pictured in the vine. The shoot cannot bear fruit outside of this union. It's abiding in the vine. Fruit happens naturally as with your abiding in me. Jesus is giving them a picture, a metaphor. They're standing right there in front of a grapevine, and he's using that as a picture. He says, I am the vine, verse 5, you're the branches. It's the one who understands this mutual union that naturally bears much fruit, which he says is impossible to do apart from me. Verse 6, he says, every area of human life. Now, this is the mirror translation. This is going to be different than what you've seen in other translations. And I really like this. I believe he sees the right picture here. And he says in the footnotes, if you've got a mirror, John 15, 6, why he translates it this way. He says, every area of human life that does not continue to be entwined in this place of seamless union in me was already cast forth where it has withered away and is gathered to be burned as firewood. That's totally different than what we've been taught. And I don't need to go into that now. See, that relates to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, we're all new creations. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God. Boy, that's reason to be joyful and thankful, isn't it? Verse 7, Jesus says, my words find voice in you with your abiding in me and my words abiding in you. A conversation is inspired where, now you got to get this. When we listen to Jesus' word in us, he says, a conversation is inspired where you, he's talking to you now, will request that which arises in your desire from our union, and it shall come to pass for you. When you are aware of Christ living in you, and you're listening to Christ, and that conversation is going on, you and Christ, you will request that which arises in your desire from union, and it shall come to pass for you. We're learning a lot these days about visualizing Christ in us and Christ living as us. I'm learning these days, and I encourage you as well, rather than begging God to do something for us, to give us something, to provide, to change something, I'm learning instead to thank him in advance and then visualize 
visualize, visualize receiving what God has already provided for me. Most of the time, that's visualizing Christ living as me in my interactions with other people. It's also me visualizing, seeing what he's already given me, you know, health, relationships, favor, provision, all kinds of things, real time in my life, things to be joyful and thankful for. Verse 8, Jesus goes on to say, these union-inspired desires bear the very fruit that endorses the Father's glory. He says, this is where true discipleship is born. Verse 9, he says, the love of the Father for me is my love for you. Now, abide in my love for you. See, God the Father loves Jesus the Son, and he loves you just like he loves Jesus. Jesus said that. Look at this, John 17, 23. Jesus is talking to us. He says, you live fully in me. And now he's talking to the Father. He's praying. He says, Father, you live fully in me, and now I fully live in them. So they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. And in that passage, he says he's praying for those of us yet to come, not just for those there at that time and moment 2,000 years ago. Jesus says the world will see that you, Father, love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. Well, here's a question for you and me today. Do we see that? Do we see that God loves us exactly the same way that he loves Jesus? Other people won't see that in us until we see us. And that's what God is revealing to us right now. The mirror says it this way, by treasuring the prophetic conclusion of my life, Jesus' life, he says, the rest of you all will remain constantly engulfed in my love, even as I treasure the completeness of my father's prophetic purpose and abide in his love embrace. God's purpose, will, desire, and intent is for us to know oneness, which includes knowing the only true God, ourselves, and all others. And the result of that is joy. Jesus said in verse 11, I've spoken these things to you. This is John 15, 11. Now get this. He said, I've spoken these things to you. My purpose in telling you these things is so that my joy, Jesus said, will continuously infuse you. Jesus said, my purpose in telling you all these things, revealing these things to you, is so that my joy, Jesus' joy, will continually infuse you. He goes on to say, you don't have to invent your own joy since you can tap into mine. This is the ultimate bliss. You will be full of joy. Different translations say it this way. Your joy will be complete, full, immersed, saturated, permeated, surrounded by, overflowing. You will be awash in superabounding joy. And that will make you thankful, of course. John 17, 13, Jesus said, all right, Father, I'm returning to you now. I pray that all these people will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you. So my joy, Jesus says, is fulfilled in them and overflows. Jesus asked the Father that we would experience his joyous delight in us. So our joy would be fulfilled and overflow. Do you think Jesus got what he prayed for? He did. And we're just starting to see that, become aware of it. 
Jesus said to them, he said, I advise you to discover your love for one another mirrored in my love of you. He said, this is the conclusion of my mission. Conclusion, not commandment, as is translated in other versions. He says, there's no greater expression of love than the love that leads someone to lay down his life for his friends. Now, why was Jesus full of joy? How could Jesus be full of joy, knowing that in less than 12 hours he would be brutally tortured? Well, it was because he knew the end of the story, didn't he? He knew the restoration of all that he was making possible. He knew that what man intended for evil, killing Jesus, God was working for the good of all people. As the writer of Hebrews, probably Paul, but we don't know for sure, said in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he says, as for us now, today, this is you and me, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin that we so easily fall into. And that sin that we so easily fall into is reverting back to and believing in Adam's dark, fictitious, angry, religious, small g God, who is not real, and falling short of believing in and experiencing the only true authentic God, Jesus, Papa, and the Holy Spirit. He says, we let go of those things, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has already been marked out for us in Hebrews 12 too. He says, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze on to Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Jesus' example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, knowing he was going to the cross in 12 hours, his heart was focused on joy. Now, we know because of what happened, his mind was humanly experiencing the horror of the cross, but his heart, the real him, was focused on joy. Think about this. Jesus couldn't be full to overflowing with joy as he headed to the cross if he knew that some, let alone 90% of the world, would not be saved. If he was going to the cross and enduring what he did, knowing that it was only going to be good enough for about 10% of the people, he couldn't be full of joy. No, he knew. He knew it would be efficacious for all people. He couldn't be focused on joy if he listened to his human mind, and we can't either. So we choose to listen to and focus on the teacher, Christ in us, who speaks to our heart, not our mind. We remember that God's purpose and will and desire and plan and intent is for us to know oneness, which includes knowing the only true God, ourselves, and all others. And the result of this brings great joy, complete, full, immersed, saturated, permeated, surrounded by overflowing, awash in joy. And then the watching world will know that we're Christ's followers by his love and grace manifesting his visible joy in us. The first church got this before religion came in and grossly distorted things in between 300 and 400 years. The first church was full of grace and joy and thanksgiving, and people could see it. Acts 4.33, with great strength and ability and power, the apostles delivered their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace, charis, loving kindness, favor, goodwill, rested richly upon them all. 
The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love and its many expressions. And the first one is joy. Remember, grace and joy come from the same Greek word. Thanksgiving is all about thanking God for the unspeakable, abounding, full, complete, overflowing joy that we are awash in. We celebrate Thanksgiving here in the United States. The pilgrims celebrated the first Thanksgiving, their first year here in America, how the Native Americans helped them. Well, we celebrate Thanksgiving what Jesus, the original Native, (laughs) did for us and continues to do. Titus 3, 4 and 8, Paul writes this, when the extraordinary compassion of God our Savior and his overpowering love suddenly appeared in person as the brightness of a dawning day, and Jesus did appear 2,000 years ago, overpowering love and light appeared, the light that brought light to all people. God is pure light with no trace of darkness. That light dawned on people when Jesus became one of us 2,000 years ago. And Titus 3, 5 says, he came to save us, and he succeeded. He didn't save us because of any virtuous deed that we've done, but only because of his extravagant grace and mercy. Verse 6 says, he saved us, that's past tense, accomplished, resurrecting us through the washing of rebirth. We are made completely new by the Holy Spirit, whom he splashed over us richly by Jesus, the Messiah, our life giver. So as a gift of his love, and since we are faultless, innocent before his face, we have now become heirs of all things because of an overflowing hope of eternal life. In verse 8, he says, hey, this is true. This is a faithful and true message. Jesus washed us. We are awash. We are complete, full, immersed, saturated, permeated, surrounded by overflowing, full of life and love and grace, which produces joy joy, unbounding joy. So I encourage you, and I'm, I'm doing this myself, joyfully visualize yourself as a wash in life and love and grace and joy. Visualize mystical things, mysteries, miracles happening in your life. Give thanks. See Christ living as you, doing exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine, lavishing God's riches on you. Thank Jesus for his love and visualize him loving you. Visualize him loving other people as you. Thank him and visualize Jesus being patient with you and with others as you and just pouring grace into you and other people. Thank Jesus and visualize him for being kind as you to other people, being good as you to other people, being gentle, living as you, gentle with other people. Visualize him living his life of faith, the faith of Christ as you. Visualize Holy Spirit power in you, energizing you, what you're doing. Visualize Jesus living as you and being compassionate for other people and merciful. Visualize whatever you need, health, provision, relationship. See it as being done. See it. Thank Jesus for it. Visualize it as being done. Think about how it feels. Remember, God's purpose and will and desire and plan and intent for us is to know oneness, which includes knowing the only true God, ourselves and all other people. And the result of that is overflowing joy, being complete and full and immersed and saturated and permeated and surrounded by an overflowing and awash in joy. And when that happens, the watching world will know you're a Christ follower. Because they'll see his love and grace and joy manifesting in you whenever they're around you. And then. 
things start to get really good. Hey, everybody. Hope this has been an encouragement to you. It sure has been to me. This is Paul Gray saying, I'll see you next time. Love you all. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.